I'm Donald Wayne, and this is Trice Talk Mini Pod for a Monday night, May the 17th, 2021. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Mini Pod. And um, yeah, I'm playing old school again tonight. Um, <laughs> I try, uh, especially on Trice Talk Live. I, I've been trying the uh, last several months to to play stuff that um, is it recognizable to our younger audience. And, um, I, you know, I've gotten better with that. But, you know, every once in a while, I just have the urge to play something old school. And uh, from the glory days, I would say, of rock and roll. So, um, uh, you know, bear with me. I, I will continue doing the newer stuff uh, for most of the podcast. But occasionally, I have to indulge in something uh, that uh, kind of inspired me many, many moons ago. All right, uh, let me get my little, let me get out of that, get my little uh, Podbeam official background music going there. And all righty then. So tonight's subject is going to be about, oops, <laughs> sorry about that, little notification. Uh, tonight's subject is going to be about something that hasn't been getting a lot of press, at least from what I can tell, uh, but it certainly is something that's going on in, there it is again, in the background. And that's, the media is fantasizing about Donald Trump being indicted and having to be extradited from Florida to New York State. This is an article uh, that I found in, you know, one of my favorite places, Mike Huckabee's Morning Edition, um, which is from today, May the 17th. And this is one of the articles that Mike Huckabee uh, kind of expanded on himself. Like I said, a lot of times he'll just do an introduction and then he'll link you to a, an article uh, which we use. And um, this, this case, I think I can use pretty much everything that he has in his uh, explanation of the situation. There is a video that's linked to this as well. And I listened to a little bit of the video, but it's eight minutes long and short of trying to edit it. I'm not going to play it, but I will give you some information. If you listen to this mini pod and you're interested in watching that particular uh, video clip, I will tell you how you can find it. All right. So let's start out here. And uh, Mike Huckabee starts by saying... One of the defining characteristics of a banana republic is the tradition of an incoming administration stalking the previous one in court to imprison them or otherwise prevent them from ever returning to power. MSNBC is currently entertaining fantasies of doing just that to former President Trump as Manhattan DA and longtime political adversary Cy Vance is still investigating him, fishing for something, anything, to get him on. Former special counsel Robert Mueller's 
Pitbull, Russia hoaxer, and current MSNBC legal analysis, or an analyst, I'm sorry, <laughs> Andrew Wiseman, remember Andrew Wiseman? Known for attacking the little fish associates of his big fish targets and getting them to flip. Talked about this with mental midget Nicole Wallace and Bloomberg senior opinion columnist Tim O'Brien. This interview indulges the fantasies of their smallish but but fanatical audience that even now Trump might be indicted on something. Doesn't matter what. And either extradited from Florida to New York for a trial, or if Florida Governor Ron DeSantis refuses to comply, effectively imprison him within that state. Mind you, they are fantasizing about this when there is no specific crime being alleged against the former president. They smile, they laugh, they do just about everything but rub their hands together with glee. The excuse they use to talk about this is a story in Politico that says law enforcement officials in Palm Beach County, Florida, have actively prepared for the possibility that Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance could indict former President Donald Trump while he's at Mar-a-Lago, according to two high-ranking county officials involved in planning sessions. The story anticipates possible thorny extradition issues that could arise if he's indicted. The MSNBC uh, video that's attached here, uh, he encourages you to watch if you can if you can stomach it, as he says. Um, it's labeled on screen as breaking news, and that's again from MSNBC. Wallace just can't help herself. She fantasizes, she says, about a cartoon-like image of DeSantis, like uh, smuggling, you know, blonde-headed Donald Trump out of Mar-a-Lago, adding, but what does this mean, practically speaking? What it means is that Donald, uh, Donald Trump derangement syndrome has destroyed all her brain cells, except the ones that blink her eyes and move her mouth. But Wiseman answers her question, saying it could get quite complicated. In other words, he has to speak very, very slowly so Wallace will perhaps understand what he is saying. He says there's a law that imposes a duty on the Florida governor to extradite, but doesn't require this. The governor also has the right to invest, investigate the extradition papers. Wiseman says that if Trump and DeSantis wanted to delay an extradition, there might be ways to do just that. Again, they're musing about this when there are no criminal allegations against Trump. Wiseman adds that Florida would play games with extradition at its peril because someday it might need another state cooperation to extradite someone back to Florida to stand trial. Wallace takes the opportunity to slam Governor DeSantis. My political antenna has been watching DeSantis, and if he won't protect Floridians from COVID, there's no way he's going to turn over Donald Trump to the Manhattan DA. Her guest chuckle. Wiseman seems to enjoy telling Wallace that if Trump's extradition is delayed, he will be, in effect, 
imprisoned in Florida. It certainly would be quite an interesting issue if he were to, for instance, this is way down the road, but if he were to try and run again for president, you know, he would not be inhabiting the White House. <laughs> um, she laughs in that situation because there would be papers seeking his extradition to New York. Wallace says this would be funny if it didn't reek of such dirty business. I agree, there's dirty business going on here, but it's not anything Trump and DeSantis are doing. It's what the Manhattan DA and his accomplices in the media are doing. Tim O'Brien discusses one specific financial dealing that has been reported in conjunction with this story. Not concerning anything Trump himself did, but rather Trump's chief financial officer, Alan Weiselberg, who received funds for private school tuition from 2012, 2012 to 2019 for his, uh, for his grandchildren from the Trump Organization and allegedly did not report this, or his son and or ex-daughter-in-law did not, on tax forms. And there are some details to that which I may come back to in a minute, depending on the time we have here. New York prosecutors have subpoenaed Columbia Grammar and Preparatory School and are also seeking cooperation from Weiselberg, according to the people familiar with the matter, reports the Wall Street Journal. The investigation into Trump is a multifaceted financial fraud investigation, says Tim O'Brien, involving tax fraud, accounting fraud, and a number of other illegalities. He thinks these are some of the minor infractions that they could probably get Trump on his words. You know, it's extraordinary that we're talking about extradition, he says, not understanding the irony of his own words. It certainly is extraordinary, given that there are no specific criminal allegations against Trump. Nevertheless, O'Brien seems to feel pretty confident I don't think that they're going to serve him with an indictment unless they believe they have a bulletproof case. The Manhattan District Attorney is not going to go forward with this epic, historically significant criminal indictment of a former president without believing it's bulletproof. He thinks the fact that they've gone this far down the tree, that they're shaking Weiselberg family members, it's a very strong indicator of how hardcore they are about this. I'd say it shows how deep they have to fish. O'Brien looks for Trump to resist arrest and for it to become a carnival, undoubted, and a tragic, tragic comic as everything is surrounding Trump. Because I don't think he'll have any hesitation to try and encourage his supporters to surround Mar-a-Lago as he laughs, to keep the police at bay. The trash talking continues, but I'll spare you much more. <laughs> he does say that Trump is broadly loathed, both in Manhattan and Palm Beach. He might want to add his own name to the list of those who are broadly loathed, at least among those who care anything about journalistic talent or integrity. Wallace, again, oblivious to the irony of her own statements, say this is such an unbelievable sort of 
debasement of the office of the presidency. Yes, it certainly is. I have actually had to hand it, I have to hand it to Andrew Wiseman for being honest about what is really going on with the investigation out of New York. This is not so much an investigation directly at Trump, he clarifies. It's rather focused on getting Weiselberg to flip. He explains that it would be hard to show that even if Trump made the payments, he understood that it wasn't going to be declared on the recipient's tax forms. But since it would be very damaging to the Weiselbergs, it shows that they're really still trying to get Weiselberg to flip. It tells him there's still a ways away from getting Trump. This indicates to me that they're not there yet, he says. Now, getting associates to flip in order to bring in the big fish is something Wiseman knows all about. See Paul Manafort and a host of others. Wiseman is telling us right here what a fishing expedition this is, a quest to find something to indict Trump on before the 2024 campaign. All right, I got a little bit of time here. Let's see see if there's anything interesting in these details to um, what they're trying to do. Make sure this isn't, uh, yeah, that's not too involved there. All right. This is from the, um, well, it says the law. Looks like it says the law and crime. I'm, let me see if I can. It says law and crime. Some, a Dan Abrams production. I'm not quite sure what that is. That's the first time I've ever seen that. Anyway, the title of this article is Manhattan prosecutors reportedly subpoena wealthy private school that Trump associates grandchildren attend. And this is by Colin Kalmbacher. It was written on May the 13th. All right. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office has set its sights on the wealthy elite private school where the grandchildren of a top Trump organization executive attend in a reported effort to force cooperation with an ongoing investigation into former President Donald Trump. According to the Wall Street Journal, Manhattan DA Cyrus Vance, which we've already talked about, recently issued a subpoena to the Columbia Grammar and Preparatory School on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. That subpoena reportedly targets the source of tuition payments made between 2012 and 2019. And keep in mind that Trump didn't become president until he ran in 2016 and became in 2017, okay? So this is way before uh, he even ran for president. Over $500,000 worth of tuition during that time frame was paid for through checks signed by Trump or Trump Organization Chief Financial Officer Alan Weiselberg. An attorney for the school told the paper that Tony... Tony Institution makes a practice of complying with lawful subpoenas by authorities. Jennifer Weiselberg, ex-wife to Alan Weiselberg's son, Barry Weiselberg, confirmed the lofty tuition amounts and the source of those funds to the journal. Knowledge of the subpoena itself was attributed to, to anonymous people familiar with the matter. Well, we've seen those before. 
The development was marked as a substantial one by legal experts. Nearly every week, there are new signs of investigators focusing on Alan Weiselberg, the CFO of the Trump Organization, and prosecutors reportedly are seeking his cooperation for Trump investigations. Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, President Noah Bookbinder, said in response to the news via Twitter, accountability may take time, but it is coming. Ah, Citizens for the Responsibility of Ethics in Washington. They haven't been doing a very good job, have they? Fordham Law Professor Jed Sugarman, I guess it's Sugarman, similarly employed, implored patients, but also hailed the DA's move as a necessary one. Watch this story, he tweeted. Weiselberg's screw seemed to be tightening and case for cooperation seems to be heating up, even if it doesn't mean an imminent indictment. Vance is slow, but at least there is a sign of movement. In late March, sources close to the Manhattan prosecutor tip their hands and reveals that Vance's office had launched an all-out effort to obtain Weiselberg cooperation against Trump. By questioning a series of high-priced gifts he and his family received over the years from the 45th president. One such subpoena made its way to Jennifer Weisenberg, the CFO's former daughter-in-law, who happily complied with the request for documents. Well, if it's an ex-wife, I could see why she would probably happily comply. We can confirm that Jennifer is cooperating with prosecutors and has been turning over documents to them. Her attorney, Duncan Levin, told the journal in April. She will continue to turn over any documents that they request that are relevant to the investigation. One of those documents was culled from the divorce proceedings between Barry and Jennifer and directly addresses the tuition payments. Really? Okay. Absent this financial assistance, Barry could not afford private school, the financial statement obtained by the journal says. In a lengthy profile of Vance published by the New Yorker in March, Jennifer Weiselberg recounted the first meeting Trump first meeting Trump at a shiva at Alan Weiselberg's house in Long Island. The shiva, a seven-day Jewish mourning ritual for the dead, reportedly took place in 2004 before Jennifer Weisenberg's marriage to her now ex-husband, Barry Weisenberg. Trump pulled up at the event from his limousine and showed the attendees photographs of naked women with him on a yacht, Jennifer Weisenberg told the magazine. Alan Weisenberg reported to the, responded to the incident by humoring his boss. His former daughter-in-law told the New Yorker. How in the hell did they slip that one in there? <laughs> well, okay. So that's kind of the basis of that. So it, it's apparent that... Um, and, and, of course, they don't make any bones about it. I mean, they're going to give this guy, Weiselberg, every reason to cooperate with them and hopefully that he can turn over something uh, that they can use against Donald Trump. I mean, they're fishing. They want something. They figure there's something there. I mean, is it, he's probably the only person I can think of in in, uh, in my lifetime that I remember that, that 
people chased uh, going on now uh, six years trying to find enough stuff on him to ruin him to the point where, you know, they never have to worry about him again. Or if they're ever so lucky, find a reason they can put him in prison. So, um, yeah, that thing about the uh, naked pictures there at the end, that how in the hell did that get in this conversation about the payments? And she gave that willingly. All right. So that's pretty much it for tonight. Um, I'm sure that's going to be ongoing for a while. Who knows? I mean, hey, you know, if they can't get anything concrete on him now, I'm sure that it'll heat up in 2023 uh, and certainly 2024. (laughs) So I appreciate you joining me for another episode i just realized there that we uh lost the music i'm not really sure why that happened okay i was so busy there i didn't even pay attention to it anyway uh it's just rolled over into tuesday morning so i hope everybody has a great day today and keep in mind that on tuesday night tonight at 9 30 our new time for Tristalk Live. Uh, please tune in and listen to myself and Dennis Lee as we get waist deep in the political muck and mire that is now occurring every day. Uh, also, I want to... Um, okay, that, that's pretty much it, yeah. Uh, Of course, we'll be on Tuesday night. Wednesday is our Wacky Wednesday, which we don't really do political stories on Wednesday unless there's some goofy story that we can use uh, that we can find some humor and play with a little bit. But typically, Wednesdays are are just just for the fun of it. And uh, unless we can find some really crazy political-based story that we can use that... uh, it's worth a chuckle or two. And then, of course, Thursday we get back. We end the Tristot week with uh, more politics. And uh, there never seems to be a shortage of that, at least in the last five years, right? Okay. Uh, let me get keyed up here for this to get out. And um, just wanted to uh, let you, well... So much for that working the way that I wanted it to. (laughs) Okay. There we go. It's coming in there. Just want to um, remind you that no one can define you but you. And with that, hope to see you tonight. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you.